Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. Stuart Davis in for Troy Shockley. Troy will be back with you tomorrow. But we've got a great show today. We've got a couple of wonderful guests from St. Peter's Health. And we'll go ahead and kick things off with Kim Peters. Kim is the St. Peter's chaplain. And Kim, welcome to Coffee Break. Good morning. Uh, Thank you for having me. Wonderful to have you. Now, before we get into uh, talking about exactly what a chaplain does and what your role is over at St. Peter's, let's get to know you, Kim. That's what we want to get getting to know you segment of the show. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Are you from Montana and and how long have you been been doing what you've been doing? Uh, um, I have been at St. Peter's Health for nine years now. I'm a board certified chaplain. Um, Before I was... uh, in Helena, uh, we were in Wyoming for um, about 15 years, um, and we love we love the Mountain West. I have lived most of my life in Southern California, and I had I hesitate to say that, but I was going to say don't Montana. don't don't let that out of the bag. Don't say <laughs> right. California. But I love Montana. I left California for a reason. So, <laughs> well, I, you know, being from North Carolina, I, I found that if we assimilate, they accept us a lot better than if we try to yeah. bring what we had, except for the food down south. I'm trying to get that conversion to get my Southern cuisine here in in right. Helena and the greater greater area. But but so glad to have you, and, and glad you uh, actually you're you've been here a lot longer than I have. So uh, let's just talk about what exactly a chaplain does, Kim. What are some of your responsibilities? What what are your duties what what do you do sure um i'm in primarily in the inpatient setting in the hospital we also we have a second chaplain now who's also providing care in the hospital and we have another chaplain who provides spiritual care to our hospice patients and outpatient palliative care patients so when we think of holistic health care we think of caring for someone in body mind and spirit and so chaplains are the professionals on the healthcare team who are specialists in providing spiritual and emotional support to patients and staff. Uh, so board certified chaplains have um, extensive training. We have graduate degrees. We're clinically educated and trained. And through a rigorous process of writing and oral interviews, we have shown that we understand the 30 or so competencies for professional chaplaincy and how we integrate those into um, the, our practice of providing spiritual, spiritual care. So we provide spiritual support to people of all religious and spiritual traditions and people of no religious and spiritual traditions. Um, people sometimes have an image in their mind of a chaplain who uh, is there to proselytize and evangelize, and that's not at all what we do. We walk alongside patients and staff and help connect them to what brings them meaning, purpose, and hope. Uh, we listen. We help them process um, you know, difficult, just difficult time in their lives. And of course, being in the hospital can be can be scary. There's just a lot of unknowns, and um, you can feel like you're out of control. And so we help again connect them and um, bring them some support during that time. Again, with Kim Peters, uh, St. Peter's chaplain, and and Kim, uh, when we we think of hospice, of course, we think of end of life. But but with you, you're you're dealing with people that that aren't necessarily dealing with something terminal or fatal. It could just be a trying experience that's going on in their life at that time. Correct. Absolutely, yes. And it's not always, we also walk alongside in joyful occasions. We get to um, bless babies and uh, awesome. celebrate with families as well. So uh, we're, we're there for all, um, you know, for um, the entire spectrum of the, of the human experience. Yeah, when we talk about healing the body, we think of the physical a lot more than than the spiritual and and, and the mental. But it, the, many researches and studies have been done, whether it's prayer, extended prayer, or, or or just feeding the soul. It's so important. Can you just elaborate on that? 
Yeah, I mean, and you're, you're exactly right. Studies have shown that uh, when people are, you know, um, going through a difficult time that they turn to that, that spiritual part of themselves to find, to find meaning and to make sense of what's, what's going on. And so we, we help connect them, to help to connect them with that. And it actually shows that um, it's actually, studies have shown as well that that's actually effective, effective part of the healing process. When, when somebody is going through, and, and we'll get to the positive sides of, of, of what you do uh, in a moment, but as far as when somebody is going through uh, some kind of tragedy or some kind of loss, uh, humans are tend to be pretty predictable when dealing with, with grief. Can we just talk about uh, exactly, I think there's seven stages. Can we talk about that grieving process? Because it's, it's pretty interesting how we all tend to go through the same pattern uh, when we're going through something uh, difficult in our lives. Yeah, that, that's absolutely um, right. And so we, so we tend to think of grief as a um, grief process instead of uh, grief stages. So grief stages is a really popular model that, of course, Dr. Kubler-Ross came out with um, many you know, years ago through her work with terminally ill um, patients. And what we've learned uh, in more recent research is that while people go through, experience all those emotions um, that that she talked about, we don't always progress through them in these orderly linear stages and people move in and out of those as they go through the, um, the grieving process. And um, so it also focuses, she also focuses on the emotional realm of the loss. And while some people experience uh, grief in that emotional realm, which is called an intuitive style of grief, others experience grief in that thinking realm, um, which is also known as the instrumental style of grief. Again, speaking with Kim Peters, chaplain at St. Peter's uh, here in Helena. And uh, usually it starts out with, with shock and, and denial. We'll kind of go through the, these steps pretty quickly. But, but it's, it's usually some kind of event that, you know, we're, you know, an idle Tuesday and then something that we're not even thinking of comes into our lives and it, and it kind of t- knocks us back. That's the, that's, that would be the first stage, correct? Uh, yeah, I mean that that yeah that that can definitely that's definitely part of that that process of having this unexpected you know unexpected shocking event, um, and um, you know uh, so people so people aren't always you know processing the the event at the at that exact time you know these like I said these um, these emotions come and go and so in that imi- initial initial shock um, they're often just you know like what's what's the next step and that's often what we're helping them you know kind of decide what's what's the next the next thing um, that I can do here as far as moving through this obviously it, it's it's better always to be able to communicate instead of instead of holding this in and, and, and is that what you attempt to do is, is try I mean as far as kind of in grief counseling uh, you know is it is it to get the person to communicate and 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 to you know uh, understand the emotional process that they're going through. Sure, and uh, part of that is definitely um, educating um, on on what they might be feeling, uh, but it's also helping them to connect with what's helped them in the past. So we'll also often I'll often ask, you know, what's helped you in the past when you've gone through a hard event or you've gone through a loss, and find out how they they process their grief because not not everybody processes it processes it in that emotional way. Um, some people um, process it in that thinking realm. So they're more um, uh, problem solving and um, uh, thinking about, um, you know, what are, the, what are the next things that, you know, I need to do to, um, you know, to walk through this time. Um, they often like to 
it's more helpful for them to like read about the grief process and do um, you know educational pieces about the grief process than necessarily talking about it. And they will talk about it, but it's maybe in a more controlled controlled way, and they don't necessarily feel the need to talk about their feelings. Again, speaking with uh, Kim Peters, uh, chaplain at St. Peter's, and uh, going through uh, working working through uh, grief. Uh, beyond going back, what are some other tips people can do when they're when they're working through their their grief process? Obviously, they've got to go through these range of emotions from anger and depression, and then ev- eventually, uh, I guess you know, I've, I've had family members that that are in Alcoholics Anonymous. Acceptance and hope is, is where you hope to get to. Sure. Yeah. And so we're so we're helping them go through this this process of um, kind of a we describe it as kind of if you think of an oscillating fan, how you know move back and forth, how a fan moves back and forth. And so people will move back and forth from you know kind of the um, processing of the grief to um, integrating the, the loss into their life. So thinking of maybe someone. Um, maybe a, um, a, a couple that's been married for a very long time and maybe um, one of them took, you know, uh, care of the finances and that, that person has died. And so the other surviving spouse um, has to take on a new role. And so they're trying to figure out what their, you know, work through what their life is going to look like now as they take on this new role of maybe doing things they hadn't done before. Um, and sometimes people just need to take a rest from the grief and that's okay. That's a really... Um, that's a, a nice um, way to protect ourselves. And so, um, you know, sometimes that's when we talk about, like, you know, binging Netflix for the day or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's okay to take a rest from that, from that processing of the acute grief. Yeah, I was, I was going to j- just kind of uh, finish up that thought, you know, if, if it's affecting someone's mental health, you know, I was going to say, what, what are some of the recommend, recommendations uh, you have? And, and uh, that worked for me, definitely uh, getting out and, and watching some, some mind-numbing Netflix has helped me <laughs> greatly. Yeah, so first of all, I mean, just really being assured that it's normal to grieve all kinds of losses, especially what we've gone through this past year. Um, we've seen so many losses that aren't death-related, um, but we, what we call incremental losses or ambiguous losses. So just being really aware of that um, and honoring, like, you know, whoa, we really went through something here, and let's, you know, take a look at that. Um, being aware that grief comes in waves. There's going to be good days and bad days. And so being patient with yourself in the midst of that ebb and flow, um, practicing both and thinking can be really helpful, you know, recognizing that what you're going through is hard, but also embrace what's going well. And um, practicing gratitude really uh, has shown to change our mindset. So even finding, you know, one thing that to be grateful for. Um, and it's also just reminding yourself that you're doing your very best, you know, even if, when that changes from day to day and um, being really kind and patient um, with yourself. It's really common um, to need additional support uh, while going through grief, and so that's, um, there's great resources out there. Many healthcare systems, such as St. Peter's Health and Peerview, practice what we call integrated health, so behavioral health is a part of that holistic healthcare. So patients can access a behavioral health professional through their primary care provider. Um, Also, hospice agencies have community bereavement support available that's for free to the community, whether or not you had a loved one die on hospice, and that's a really good resource as well. Uh, Because you can um, not only get that support, but also there's grief support groups, so you can be with other people who are going through something similar. And then for those who maybe a grief support group isn't the right thing for them, there's really great online resources like whatsyourgrief.com and um, refugeandgrief.com are two really great, reliable 
online resources for um, grief information. Kim, some very enlightening information. Before we go, I want to kind of circle back around to uh, some of those uh, joyous occasions you talked about. Can you tell me a little bit uh, quickly about the the blessing of the babies? That that sounds absolutely wonderful. Oh sure, um, yeah. Uh, par- um, sometimes um, new, I mean, new parents. It's such a joyous occasion, and so they will invite us up to uh, to um, bless the baby, and so we will um, talk with them about what they would like that to look like, and um, um, offer blessings for this this new family as they um, as they you know get to know one another and just rejoice in this in this great celebration of new life coming into the world. So. But- that has to yeah. be a fantastic experience. Well, and this has been a wonderful experience. Thank you so much, Kim, for coming on with us today here on Coffee Thank Break. Thank you, Stuart. It's really great to talk with you today. Great talking with you. Have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. Again, that was Kim Pepper here at uh, St. Peter's. She is the chaplain. And uh, we will be uh, taking a quick time out. We come back. We've got a, another great guest from St. Peter's. we got Jamie LaRice, who's with the Wellness Promotion and Developer Education Program over at St. Peter's. So right now, quick time out. More Coffee Break to come. I just wanted to step away from the show for a few seconds to tell you that if you miss an episode, you can always catch up. We're on iTunes, so find our show there or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Local and area events, city, state, and national officials, your neighbors doing incredible things. We talk to them all on Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. In today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, we deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across Montana. Ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com security. And welcome back into this Thursday edition of Coffee Break. Stuart Davis in for Troy Shockley. Troy will be back with you tomorrow. But we just had a great guest from St. Peter's. We had Kim Pepper, uh, the St. Peter's chaplain, who talked about, I, I guess, more of, of healing and, and, and mental and wellness and spirituality. And now we're going to heal the body with our next guest from St. Peter's. We've got the wellness promotion developer and educator, Jamie Larice. Jamie, welcome to Coffee Break. Thanks for having me. Wonderful to have you. And and just like with Kim, before we get into uh, a lot to unpack with what you do over at St. Peter's, can you tell us a little bit about yourself or, or, or what's your little bit of your background? Sure. Well, I'm a registered dietitian by trade and a certified uh, tobacco treatment specialist. But really just wellness in general, we can't do one without the other, right, when we're trying to get well. So I promote all sorts of wellness to both our own employees at St. Peter's and also the community. Fantastic stuff. Now, a little background. I always like to ask this because I'm not a native Montanan. Are you a native Montanan? No, I am not, but I did go to University of Montana, so go Grits. Look at you. Okay. Well, we just ostracized half our audience with that one, but that's okay. I, I, <laughs> I, love, I love the Grits, too. I love them as well. Uh, so glad to have you here. Jamie Larissa, again, the Wellness Promotion Developer and Educator, joining us on this Thursday edition of Coffee Break. And, and again, when we talk about that with Wellness Promotion, uh, kind of what does that encompass? Are we talking about your physical health? Is that what we're encompassing right there? All of it, almost a wheelness of wellness that includes physical activity, as Kim had talked about, spiritual wellness, obviously nutrition being a foundation, really thinking about all of the foundations of wellness and looking at ourselves and and asking, 
where can I become more well and what programs and, and, and things can I follow to make sure that I'm being my best self? You know, one uh, thing that, that I've, I've kind of prescribed to over the last year is as I've really taken strides, a uh, little personal sidebar, I, I lost about 80 pounds in the last in, in the last year uh, from last May. And, and uh, there's three pillars that I've really followed. It's sleep, diet, and exercise. Is, is that pretty much what a lot of people neglect or should be focusing on as far as when we talk about our physical health? Right. I think what you described are priorities. To be well, whatever endeavor we have, we most certainly have to get quality sleep. We have to have nutrition as a foundation because if we don't eat, we don't live. And of course, making physical activity a priority, not only to lose weight, but just to maintain good health from birth until our end of life. So you have nailed down the priorities of wellness. Yeah, and I don't think people realize the correlation with how exercise and physical activity can directly impact your mental health as well. Oh, for sure. We always forget that the head is connected to the body. And so, you know, motion is lotion. And that doesn't just mean for our joints, but it means for our mental health as well. Yeah, and so uh, as far as uh, what you guys work on, that you've got a nice little challenge going on over at St. Peter's, the Step Challenge. Can you kind of give me some information on on what that is all about? Yeah, so this year will be our third year um, promoting um, walking, you know, walking to win. And so the third annual 60-day Step Challenge will start on June 7th, and it'll run through August 5th. And it's just a way for people to either increase the steps that they're already taking or motivate people who may have been thinking about becoming more physically active. And we want to incentivize it by having an actual purse that people can win. So by red, we subsidize red registration with an amazing support from Blue Cross Blue Shield of Montana along with Wells Fargo and we subsidize half the registration costs and the challenge is individualized so by connecting with your tracking device to an app on your phone we basically want to motivate people to just get moving and it's just walking. Uh, how instrumental has technology been in, in these types of efforts? I, I know I've got a Fitbit and, and that, you know, sometimes it'll beep and say you need to get up and move a little bit. I mean, it's one of those things where it almost makes you accountable when you realize that, you know, I haven't done my step goal for the day. I mean, it's, it seems like technology's really been nice integration into our, our physical daily lives. Exactly. Much like a health coach would keep you accountable with certain wellness uh, things that you're trying to do, fitness trackers can just help you become more aware and be that intrinsic motivator. Hey, you need to get up and move. We hope that it's positive for people because we do know now that sitting really has become the new smoking. And because of our sedentary lifestyles, maybe not by choice, but because of work and, and just modern life as it is, it's really important that we utilize the tools that are at our disposal, like a fit tracker, to just help us be more aware and keep us motivated. Uh, you know, going back to my story uh, when it basically was obese uh, a year ago, uh, and and it, it we don't realize that obesity and, and extensive weight gain is such a precursor to a lot of the other maladies that we experience in our life. I know mine materialized is high blood pressure, uh, also sleep apnea, uh, but it, a lot of our conditions that we're getting treated for really can kind of come back to our, our physical health, can it not? 
Exactly. And I think overall, regardless of a chronic condition, you know, that we have, we have to remember that we need to feel lucky that we can move. And it's, and it's you know, a positive that we are able to actually be in control of how we feel. So, of course, lowering your blood pressure or losing 80 pounds, congrats, by the way, is awesome. What, what it really does focus on when, when we're more physically active is that it just makes us feel better. Our joints feel better. Our arthritis gets better. Our sleep gets better. Our mental health gets better. So when we think about moving and engaging in something like a step challenge, the overall goal is just to feel better. And what would you tell somebody that is probably, you know, feeling low? Uh, they, they maybe let themselves go and, and maybe they're they're not in the best of physical shape or they're in pretty poor physical shape. And, and they kind of have that defeatist attitude of like, I can't do that. What would be your advice and, and what would you tell that person? If someone is able to actually walk, meaning they don't have a disability or they don't have a, a chronic condition that may require, you know, uh, physical therapy, what I would encourage people to really think about is that it always starts with the first step, you know, pun totally intended. But walking is one of the oldest and most ancient forms of exercise, and to this day, it still is one of the most beneficial. So my encouragement to people is go for a walk to feel good. It doesn't have to be a run or an end goal to to next month lose 80 pounds. It's just with every first step, you're getting outside, you're gaining more clarity, and you're you're walking your way to feeling better. I totally agree, and, and that's where my journey started. It was it was amazing that, I mean, just walking to the bathroom here at the station, sometimes I'd be out of breath. And and so when you look at it, you've got to put it in incremental and compartmentalize and, and, and do take it that one day at a time. And and I guess I, I, the mental aspect, trying, how do you keep people encouraged to just say, hey, you're going to have your highs, you're going to have your lows, you're going to have some setbacks, uh, but you you know, you just go ahead and do what you can do. I think the most important thing is just to remain mindful. Uh, When in deep water, become a diver. If you're not feeling good, it's okay to not feel good. But hopefully something like a step challenge will motivate you to engage with other people. The beauty about this step challenge is that it's completely individualized. The only person that you're technically competing with is yourself. There's a challenge. Over 60 days, we want you to average a certain amount of steps. However, someone can do that. And if a Fitbit is is beeping at you, it's a positive encouragement that even if you're having a bad day, you can stop, you can think, you can be mindful and say, I'm going to go for a walk. When you do your wellness promotion and and develop your curriculum, uh, how much do you incorporate diet? I've seen that that's been, I mean, I was always kind of athletic and, and, and worked out, but, but it's when I really kind of changed some of my eating habits that really, that kind of really propelled me to another level. Right. And, and nutrition can be so super confusing and everyone wants nutrition advice. What our holistic approach is when we think about wellness promotion is remembering that food is medicine. That's really the foundation, utilizing food as medicine. We have to eat to live. There's no other choice. We can survive without food for maybe three weeks. And so once we develop that philosophy that food is medicine, we can help guide people to making better choices along with other wellness initiatives like sleep and physical activity and also making sure that their mental health is spot on.
Yeah, there's this whole new mental approach to it. I, I, the the Noom app comes to mind that 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 you know kind of just you know breaks it down while we're feeling these ways, while we're we're going through these, and 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 how to overcome the the obstacles. Uh, so yeah, you are what you eat is is exactly right, and and I guess drinking as well. I mean, when you say uh, consuming water, uh, trying to uh, get what well, there's numbers all over there. What what would you say about how much water a person needs to consume a day? Because obviously it's it's very beneficial in multiple ways. Right. Generally, that 64 ounces is a good number. Technically, when you get into the science of it, it may be 91 ounces for men. Um, But really, it's understanding your own hydration status, looking at the color of your urine, for sure. It should always be pale, right? It should never, ever be super dark colored. That means you're hydrated. And then, of course, if you're thirsty, if you are thirsty, that is your body telling you that you need to drink more water to stay hydrated. You know, coming from the South where we sweat constantly because of the humidity and then coming out here to Montana where there's not a lot of humidity and you don't sweat, uh, but it's that hold that dry heat. And and as far as I didn't realize how much water I needed to consume that you would you would get dehydrated and not even realize it out here. And so for people that are kind of new to the area or not familiar with, you know, kind of the, the area of Montana, uh, that is something they need to be cognizant of as well. Right. I mean, we just have to remember water is the source of life. And we do know that many chronic conditions, including people who don't sleep well or have high blood pressure, just to name a few, um, one thing to look at is hydration status. Our body needs water. Every single chemical process in our body needs water. So it's just uber important to always have a water body water bottle handy and make sure that you're consuming enough throughout the day. Most specifically, if you're participating in a step challenge, you want to make sure that you're actively hydrated before you go to exercise. Uh, wrapping up real quick with Jamie Larise, who is the wellness promotion developer and educator over at St. Pete's. And Jamie, before we get out of here, let's one time uh, again uh, get back with the step challenge. How can people find this? How can they get involved with it? Yeah, so registration is currently open right now. They're able to go to St. Peter's website and just type in the search bar step challenge or sphealth.org backslash step challenge. All of the instructions are there to register for the step challenge. You need a smartphone, you'll download an app. Registration is subsidized for half, but if you meet your step challenge, you automatically double your money and more. The more people who register, the more money in the pod. And we're also sweetening that pot by raffling a winter weekend getaway in Yellowstone National Park for anyone who either meets their individual goal or meets last year's average, which was 7,500 steps per day. That, that is fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Jamie. I appreciate you coming on and sharing us some great information here on Coffee Break. Have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. Thank you. Bye-bye. And we'll be back with more Coffee Break tomorrow morning at 8.30. I'm Troy Shockley, and that's it for Coffee Break today. Be sure to check us out on iTunes. Head on over. Give us a review there. That's always much appreciated. Or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you back here tomorrow.